0: This past week, Sarah and I were fortunate to be godparents for our friend's daughter. We got to laugh, celebrate, and reconnect. However, one moment reminded me why we baptize in the first place. My daughter and the little girl was, were playing. My daughter reached for a toy that the other little girl was playing with. She drew back and said, "Mine." with a big smile on her face. Enjoy these stories while they last because the time is coming soon when I won't be able to tell them anymore. Now in her de- her defense, she's at a stage of development where she's mimicking everything. She doesn't really know what mine means yet. It's a game to her. But I think that's part of the point, isn't it? We tend to copy And we tend to copy in claiming things as mine, in exerting control, and in mimicking what others do. It starts early. Now don't get me wrong, some sense of control and ownership is good and healthy. It's necessary to have a sense of self, but it can quickly become harmful. When we're in a situation we can't control, we often, and just to be clear, I include myself here, we, we get anxious, we look for someone to blame, we build barriers, we exert control in unhealthy ways. The world becomes filled with enemies, threats lurk everywhere, and we so easily lash out. That's the way it's been for us for quite a while now, isn't it? Deep divisions have become deeper. Blaming others becomes easier and easier, and despair becomes more and more tempting. Like the Israelites, we're in a desert, and sometimes we wonder how long we can endure. So it should be easy to empathize with God's people in our reading today. I get grumpy when I don't get my coffee in the morning. Some of you, I'm sure, are the same way. So how much more when they're in the desert, led by the Lord through Moses and Aaron, no reliable source of food, no reliable source of water. Sure, God just saved them from the Egyptians in the last chapter at the sea, and God also just made bitter water drinkable for them. But being in the desert tends to shorten memories. There's no steady supply of food, no steady supply of water, except maybe for their flocks, but their whole livelihood is tied up in those. That's their 401k plan. They're on their way to Mount Sinai. Where they'll hear God's word from the mountaintop, but now they're in a situation they can't control. It's hot, they're hungry, they're tired, they're miserable and they begin misremembering. Oh, remember how good we had in Egypt. Are they kidding? They were brutally oppressed for 400 years. But perhaps brutal oppression with a meal at the end of the day was easier to digest than freedom on an empty stomach. So God graciously provides for their needs. The manna is fascinating. There are theories out there about what the manna was. If you're curious, you can search online. But what it was is not nearly as important as what it means. In the in-between time, between Egypt and the Promised Land, God provided for their needs out of nothing but grace. Whatever they gathered... Each had what they needed. Whatever they gathered, each had what they needed. But this kind of grace is painful. This kind of grace requires acknowledging that God is in control, not us. The manna can't be hoarded, though the Israelites try. It can't be saved for a rainy day. The people do have to go out and gather the manna from the ground... And the quail, too. But it doesn't matter how hard they work or how efficient they are at gathering. Each has enough for the day. It's all gift. As Luther says in his explanation of the first article of the Creed, God does this all out of pure fatherly and divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness of mine at all. It's a really, it's a radical equality under God. Now, before you start thinking that Pastor David must be one of those socialists, know that socialism has nothing to do with this story. This story is about God's generosity. It's about God's grace. It's about God's provision. And it's about the equality of each person under that grace. Nothing the people do makes God love them any more or any less. Even after they sin, even after they fail, and what is the Old Testament but a record of failure, God doesn't withhold the man. God continues to provide for God's people out of nothing but sheer grace. And this is the joy of God's grace. The joy of God's grace lies in accepting it for what it is, in realizing that we truly don't have final control over anything, certainly not with the Lord. We don't have to work to be acceptable to God, to be accepted to receive God's grace, or to enjoy God's good gifts, because we are already acceptable, just as we are to God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Indeed, the arms of the cross reach into eternity on both sides of the history of God's people. God provides gift after gift after gift to God's people simply because God wishes to give. That's it. God's grace can not be bought It can't be earned. It can't be hoarded. It can't be sold. It can only be given and received. When we accept that God is in control of the desert time that we are in today, that the Spirit is leading us in the pillars of cloud and fire, and that whatever happens, the Lord will see us safely on the other side of the Jordan. Whatever that will look like, We can let go of our anxieties, our fears, and our need to control. We can come down from our barricades. We can stop choosing sides. We can let go of our desire to control and accept not only who we are, but whose we are. We're all pilgrims on the journey, like the Israelites, and sometimes that journey is tough. As God is gracious to us, though we don't deserve it. Let's be gracious to others, even when, and especially when, we don't think they deserve it. Let's love one another. And let's remember that God is always giving grace after grace, gift after gift, even in our lowest moments. Let's pray. Lord God, you provide us daily bread. You give us grace after grace without any merit on our part. Help us accept your grace and the liberation it provides from our fears and our furies. Continue to guide us through this time with your Holy Spirit. Do not leave us. Though we do not know what life looks like on the other side of the Jordan, we trust that you will lead us safely there.